Hello and welcome to The Last Jedi on the Left podcast. I'm your host, Aaron, and this episode I'm joined by my old Let's Talk About Nothing buddy, Liam. Hello. Um, so, yeah, we, we thought we'd get you on. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit different to what I imagine most episodes are going to be because we're talking about a new film or a film that's just, just come out in the cinemas. So we're not going to have quite as much uh, nostalgia for it as we will do with other films. But um, this is one you kind of wanted to get into. Yeah, well, I think because like, I've missed Let's Talk About Nothing. So, and I've been thinking about how do I get back into podcasting? And then when you said you were going to do this, I was like, oh, great. How do I piggyback off this somehow? <laughs> how, do I, how do I force my way into this? So I was like, oh, well, are you doing one on Marvel films like on, on when they come out? So hopefully I'll be like the go-to comic book guy. Well, I like to think of myself as the go-to comic book guy. So if this continues as like a theme that you do, or even new films. Then... Yeah, I was going to say, I like the way you're sort of like wedging yourself into that role now. Like, yeah, you, yeah. It's, 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 unless you cut it, it's in, <laughs> it's in like writing now, so you kind of can't. Yeah. I'm just going to keep dropping it into conversations every so often throughout this podcast. So It's even got a title. Yeah, I can't, I can't edit around that then. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, the, and the thing is, like, you're way more committed to going like the cinema and stuff than I am, and I'd love to go see so many more films, but I just don't, don't have the time or the inclination. So, like, I really want to see Cocaine Bear. But I'm probably, for me, that's one of the films this year that's going to be like, I'll watch it when it comes to streaming. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So, whereas Marvel films or Marvel whatever, or DC or whatever, I'll, I will more than likely see them. So that's when I'm going to leech in. Yeah. And you'll hear these dulcet tones. <laughs> I mean, you hear, them a lot, you hear them a lot anyway. But yeah. Like, the listeners will yeah. hear these dulcet tones. They'll, you'll be coming in, dropping your uh, comic truth bombs. Yeah, and then we'll be like, oh, actually, Liam's not as into comics as Aaron is. So, <laughs> so I'll just be like, does, double checking my like things with you. Does, <laughs> does that even know what he's on about? Yeah, this is the question. All will be revealed. <laughs> yeah. So um, this, it's the, we're talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Bit of a wordy title. Strangely titled as well, considering some of the play that some people do or don't get. Well, yeah, I guess we'll get into that a little bit. But um, this is, I guess kind of we'll start off with, um, this is the first film in what Marvel are calling their Phase 5. Um, uh, where, I guess, really, how do you feel about Marvel films, where we're at with them right now? You know what, I was, I was thinking about this in the shower this morning because I've, I've been... I put a lot of time and energy into the MCU. Like, MCU in particular, I've never been that impressed with the DCU, but I've always thought the MCU was kind of the thing. And it's always yeah. been something I've been passionate about. And then, I don't know, like, people have said they're getting superhero fatigue and all that, and I've been like, no, I'm not really, I'm still enjoying them. But then the more I think about, like, Phase 4, it's a bit of a dud. For me, personally, like, I, f- I think the TV shows have been better than the films for the most part. And I was really kind of excited for f- Phase 5 to hopefully switch that. But this morning I was in the shower, and it's not to to spoil how I feel about this movie, because I don't think this necessarily reflects how I feel about this movie. But I feel like Marvel at the moment for me is like that, that long-term relationship that you've been in, where you kind of... Maybe maybe board's the wrong word, but you know it's a little bit stale. You've got, but you've got the dog, you've got the house, and you kind of got to stick around. This isn't like a comment on my life, by the way. Who is as a, a dog it's and an important Disclaimer it's, to put. In I there, need yeah. to put that out there. But do you, do you know what I mean? Where you're like, well, we kind of just have to stay together now because we're like, we're it, we're intertwined. I kind so of understand like, what you're saying, but also as a dog and house owner, I can't say yes. I do know what you mean. <laughs> exactly. But like, I'm not not going to see everything that Marvel put out. Because I've I've invested so much, I've invested the last what eleven twelve years. Yeah, I kind of feel like I'd be a fool to stop now. Because what if it gets really good again? But also, yeah. also, when you say eleven or twelve years, it is fifteen years this year. Holy fuck, is it? That Iron Man came out. Yeah, Wait, can we swear on this podcast? Yeah, you just have so. So no, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'd be surprised if we couldn't knowing knowing you as a do. Um, fifteen years, Jesus Christ. 
Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I've invested and loved 11 to 12 years. <laughs> okay. And then, okay. And then maybe the last three have gone a little bit like, left a bit of a bad taste on now. Yeah. So I think I'm pretty similar actually in where you're at. I, I, I think there was, in hindsight, maybe moments that immediately in phase four didn't feel like they were amazing. Um, but then kind of when you look back, you go, actually, that was that's probably better than I thought it was, maybe. Um, examples being, I think, for me, one division, kind of, I think it ended on a little bit of a dud, but... Generally pretty good. We we, we quite like that, and uh, if anybody is particularly interested, there is an old episode of the Let's Talk About Movies podcast, as it was back then, where we covered that off. Um, and then also films like uh, Shang-Chi, I think was actually quite good. In It, it sort of wasn't a complete package, but it... It wasn't bad necessarily. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was a bit of a sympathizer for for Marvel at that point, though, because I was like, well, I'm kind of looking forward to going back to like individual stories. Some, you know, we'd built up and built up and built up for Infinity War and Endgame. That it was kind of, I'm hi- I'm happy with going back to a sort of a status quo. Yeah, I just don't know if if the if it's been the same quality as pre Endgame. I think the other Post. the other thing as well is that a lot of them feel a little samey. Like you kind of feel like, oh, this is not that different than the story that you've told me before. Particularly when it comes to like individual heroes and stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I say, Phase Four was a bit of a mixed bag. You kind of hope that again we're going to get onto it a little bit in a minute, but that with um what was coming in this film, it would sort of lead into what what the plan was in the future. Hmm. Um, but I'm not entirely sure I, I got what I wanted from it. No, and so I guess we don't get... we don't need to tiptoe around the film too much. If you want to, surely just dive in. But yeah, I mean, I, well, before before we do, can we just? I, sorry, it's, it's, I don't want to derail anything, but I'm curious to see what your sort of ideas are on Phase Four are. Okay. So we had Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Thor. What is that one? Black Panther. Um, the films, yeah. Yes. And we were supposed to actually get... So this is the original slate. We were supposed to get Guardians as part of Phase 4. Okay. Blade as part of Phase 4. Captain Marvel 2 and Fantastic Four. Okay. Well, we know well, at least three of those four have likely been pushed back due to issues with directors or whatever else, because obviously Fantastic Four has changed director quite recently, and I don't think they've still announced who the cast is going to be. Uh, no. Blade, uh, it sounded like that the director fell out with Herschel Ali, possibly, and that whole thing seemed to be going down the hill a little bit. And then also, what was the other one you said? Uh, Guardians, of course, was James Gunn was out and then was back in. in. And yeah. So that was a little bit all over the place. I'm looking at this as well. And of the things we got, yeah, the TV shows definitely, definitely like with with the show stealers, I think, this time around. Possibly. But even with the TV shows, I feel like I felt a little... Fatigued, I guess. Um, it felt like there was an episode of something coming out every week, and uh, mm. half of them maybe I didn't really enjoy that much. I've still not seen She Hulk. She Hulk's good. Okay, I think I think because you got more time in a TV show, it gives the opportunity to do something different. Yeah. Whereas a film it has to follow a set form because you've got maybe two hours, give or take, to to tell that story. Whereas a TV show, you have three times that in effect so you and and each tv show sort of did its own thing which i think was part of the excitement for me moving away out out of endgame to sort of say okay well these are some different weirder stuff remember, like remember when galaxy first came, um, guardians first came about it was like oh shit it's a comedy yeah it was sort of a a, a tone shift in in the way marvel were doing films that's i think is what the, the tv shows have done in phase four whereas the films i think have been back to pretty standard formula okay i think for the most part but sorry yeah anyway digression over i'm on the wasp quantumania 
in preparation for seeing this film, I managed to squeeze in. I thought I'd only get the first one in, but I managed to watch both films in advance of it. Okay. And actually, on reflection, the first one in particular, I think I really like. I think I've always, on memory, been like, that's, you know, sort of low to mid tier Marvel film. I'm not saying that there's the majority aren't better, but it's actually like, it's quite funny. It's like charming. And there's a load of like little jokes in there that like you look back on. And I remember liking, but then they're still funny after watching like a second or third time round. Yeah. And even the second one is like, it's charming in its own way. It's not great, but it's, it's, has its its moments. Yeah. So watching those and going into Quantumania, I think plot holes aside, it didn't feel, and maybe it's just because they were so close together, literally over the last two days I've watched them. It didn't feel like an Ant-Man film in the same way that these two did. And it's fine to change yourself. You know, it's second or third album syndrome. You know, the band's going to do something different. Yeah. It just, but it felt very different. different. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I guess probably no one's going to be listening to this who isn't all that worried about getting the film spoiled or getting whatever out of it. But we'll just run through um, and I'll give the... Uh, I often talk about Letterboxd quite a lot on this podcast, so I'll give the Letterboxd uh, synopsis for the film. Uh, Superhero duo Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, together with Hope's parents Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, find themselves exploring the quantum realm, interacting with strange new creatures and embarking on an adventure that will push them beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Sort of roundabout way is, is what it is. Okay. I guess that. So the thing is, like, say this whole film, apart from the first what ten minutes, and then the last three minutes or so, is just entirely in the quantum realm. Um, and I think they said the word quantum about thirty times in those first ten minutes as well, to the point where the word just stops making sense. You know where you're going with this film. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and by the way, like I, I can't, in my head, I can't figure out if the pacing was off or if the pacing was right. But it just, after those first 10 minutes, like you said, it, it just doesn't stop. After the first five minutes, as soon as it gets back to like, is, is it a minor spoiler to say Cassie's in jail when he, at the very, very, very yeah, start no, that's of the fine. film? Yeah, yeah. Um, not even jail. Well, jail, not prison. Yeah. Just been caught doing something. Um, after that, it's just like, go. And it's not like high energy necessarily, but it's just next scene, next scene, next scene, next scene, next scene. Like, it just keeps on going. I didn't look at my watch throughout the film, but I was like, I don't know if we were close to the end or close to the start. I don't know whereabouts we sit in this film in terms of like peaks and troughs or acts necessarily. At any point, I didn't really know where I was. Like, I couldn't place myself in the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I kind of know what you mean, really. I found large parts of that middle section a bit of a slog for me. I mm. thought, um, whether it's just because, realistically, despite the fact you're in this weird, fantastical world, there's not actually that much variation in what you're kind of looking at. It was obviously just just actors standing in front of a green screen or whatever it is nowadays, the volume or, volume. or whatever. Yeah, And you can definitely tell as well. Sorry, I, I, it's been that long since I did a podcast. I just shut my head. <laughs> like In like agreement, but I, I forgot I have to be verbal. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it, uh, it it kind of, it, it did sort of wear me down a little bit, I felt. I felt like the interesting bit was at the beginning, especially kind of exploring that world at the very start and, and getting to know the, the weird sort of people in there. The only one thing you sort of mentioned there with when you were on about the uh, the original Ant Man film is it's got like his heist crew or whatever, and mm-hmm. uh, there's sort of elements of um, sort of like they're lovable losers and there's elements of comedy that come through in that, and that's the kind of thing that I feel like is missing for this this one in particular to be coherent with the other Ant Man films is that 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 wasn't there for me and it felt worse for it. Yeah, it felt worse for it, and it almost felt like we needed a a fish out of water character, like an audience surrogate. Whereas if you'd put them in that situation, you would like get Luis, who's everyone's favorite anyway. I think it's Luis. Is everyone's favorite anyway? Yeah. Throw him in the quantum realm, and then there's a sense of wonder to it because it is a different quantum realm to, realm to what we've seen in, in the two previous films as well, or like a different 
area of it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, I, you know, it'd be kind of cool. They all kind of just kind of go with the flow on this a little bit. I don't know. And I should say that I came out of this film. And I, Lydia came to watch it with me and I said, oh, you know, what did you think? Well, she said, what do you, did I think? And I said, yeah, it was all right. I quite liked it. Like, so I don't think it's a bad film necessarily. No, and I, no. I came out of this feeling like I enjoyed it more than I remember. Th- Maybe I was just more disappointed with Black Panther 2. But I came out of this being more probably just like satisfied. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe it's the right the right or wrong term. I'm not sure. I think I understand. I yeah, I sort of understand what you're saying with that one. Um, and, and I don't think like, because I was kind of ready for this film to like blow my mind a little bit in terms of visually but whether it's a limitation of volume or green screen a lot of it just seems very flat like kind of tight angle like tight close up they just stood it seems quite static in a lot of things just people having conversations in front of the thingy in front of a wall and and we've had that issue in the past with mandalorian where you can tell it's a volume because he's just walking to or from a six feet distance yeah back and forth you kind of suffer with the same situation. It wasn't as sort of fantastical as I think it could have been. In you know, I think there was that. That was definitely a part of it for me as well because um, because we're not in anything real, I guess, as such. Um, I struggled with a lot. So obviously, like the key thing for Ant Man and all the surrounding characters is they get smaller or they get bigger. And, you know, that's the, the what they do. That's their power kind of thing. So half the time, like, there, there was one bit, I think, t- maybe towards the end. It was definitely in the third act anyway. And uh, Scott Lang's daughter, Cassie, like say you mentioned before, she's comes over, running over to, to Ant-Man and the Hogan and stuff, and he says, oh, you got big. And I, and I it, like, so genuinely did not realize that they'd grown or anything like that. I was like, oh, oh. Like I need like a banana for a frame of reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? So the the whole point previously has been, and I don't want to be like, oh, this breaks the universe because it actually is. Da, 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 da. I don't want to get. Uh, well, you may want to get go down that road. Well, it's your well, title as Marvel. I am Marvel. Yeah, whatever you said, yeah, Marvel King now. Um, <laughs> can that might be the title? Of the <laughs> um, or just whenever you introduce me in the future as Marvel King. Yeah. Okay. Guy who's read six books, Marvel <laughs> King. Um, but like the whole point of that previously was you go to like, oh, I think he grew 60 feet, he says in Ant Man 2. Yeah. And it's really tiring. Whereas I appreciate you going from what's the smallest unit of measurement, quantum, whatever. So, sure. But you, you, you grow in 10 times that, but it's still so minuscule that actually it shouldn't shouldn't impact your performance because it's so much smaller than you are anyway. That's, that's dealing with the idea that the quantum realm was actually something incredibly tiny that is that where you're going with it, you mean? Yeah, so like you're already if you're if you're one centimeter big, yeah. If you're if you're usually six foot tall and you yeah. go down to one centimeter, you're not gonna be tired when you grow to five centimeters. No, I'm with you. Because you're still you've still shrunk down. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I really shouldn't have watched the first two films before I watched this, should I? Because it's, it, it's just it's just I think if I'd not watched them, I'd remember enough about them to be like, to go into this film absolutely fine. Whereas because I've watched them, I'm like, hang on, yesterday you said this. Well, they, they do make a reference to it in Quantumania because I think she, after she said, after she's grown massive aware, or massive, I guess, um, air quotes, but that she says oh, something like, oh, I'm really hungry now. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it does do that, doesn't it? Kind of. This is my thing. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Not it, at that size. Yeah, not if it you're shouldn't. still absolutely tiny. No. Yeah. Um, I'm nitpicking about the wrong things. I was going to say. I shouldn't have watched the films before. This is very, I, very, one of the things I will look at bringing into this podcast is, you know, nitpicking and that kind of thing on, on you, you know, just a bit of playful kind of, but, and this, that feels like one that they just go, oh, well, it's, it's quantum. And then just, Hand wave pim, it away. Pim, pim particles. Yeah. It's the answer for everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, so we've kind of touched on it a little bit, is, and it's been something that's been leveled against Marvel films quite a lot recently, is that the CGI in them looks very wonky. Um, everything still feels rushed, like they're catching up from COVID at the moment. Yeah. And I don't think, I, I can say, I don't feel like that went away at all with this film, uh, particularly, in, and I guess this is where we get kind of deeper into spoilers now, but particularly with the character who shows up 
uh, Modoc. <laughs> I liked Modoc in this, in the sense that it looked bad, but I like. But I was like, is this intentional? Because he's supposed it's to be so disgusting. bad, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I quite liked it when he had the mask on. But like, yeah, yeah. When he took the mask off the entire time, I was like, I don't. Can I just not look at this, please? <laughs> it's a, yeah, I won't, I won't spoil that far ahead yet, maybe. But yeah, I was like, they could have done that better. Sure, I feel like that has to be a choice because that's just blowing up a head. Like, because you could have do it two ways, right? Either you just take a picture, of my, you record my face doing the performance, yeah, and sort of stick that on, yeah, which is probably the way you would. I would I would think of doing it, or you do a completely CGI face that is only ever smiling weirdly. <laughs> um, it's a bit like a, a Superman mustache situation. It felt a little bit where it's, 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 it's faith was stuck. So I, I feel like that has to have been intentional to make it almost Grote- grotesque, to look at and grotesque. Yeah. yeah, perhaps. But then, it, then again, it, even by that token, it could still have been done maybe better. Like it could still have looked a little bit. More like a realistic giant head on tiny arms and legs. I don't know. Well, I did like how you saw his little bum. But... <laughs> <laughs> his weird baby legs. Yeah. Um, so do, I, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I do. Yeah. Um, that's fair. I think really that's a sort of maybe you just feels a little bit like maybe you're just making excuses for him. But uh, I'll, I'll let you have it. I told you I'm a sympathizer. Yeah, apparently. exactly. You're the fanboy. But I, I think some of the the you know. Um, where he's multiplies himself. Yeah, some of those looked a little bit shoddy. Like I, yeah. Whereas you know that that's a trick that's been done for a hundred years in effect in in film, right? You just, yeah, yeah. But and that just that still didn't look great in some cases. Like they're just a little bit dodgy how they cropped them out and placed them. In, I don't know. That's fair. Um, I suppose the only the only other thing before I move on to the villain because we'll 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 get on to that. The only other thing I've got to say was um, I still think Paul Rudd is the best thing in these films. Yeah, like I, I just enjoy watching Paul Rudd, and for me, I don't think Paul Rudd was in this. Considering he is the title character, I don't think he was in this film enough. No, he's he's good as as Ammo, right? Like I. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. I um, he's funny, but this is what I was almost. Well, not even so much him, but it's called Ant Man and the Wasp, and the Wasp is sort of barely in it. She has like four lines of dialogue, maybe. Yeah, it's it's weird. But she has she has more haircuts than little <laughs> hairstyles than possibly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you might be right on that one. Which was jarring as well for me. It's that really weird. It was jarring. And I know it's like at the very end, she has a different color hair. I'm like everyone, yeah, you can dye your hair, fine. But it just felt I was like, why, why, why make the change? What storytelling purpose does this have? <laughs> yeah, did she just show up one day and was like, oh, was, was it a reshoot? She's like, I dyed my hair last night. And they're like, I guess we'll just have to go with it. Go, yeah, fine, I guess. Yeah, I mean. That would be really interesting if it was. Like of all the things unplanned. to nitpick, this is not yeah. the thing to nitpick. By the way, okay, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on. Marvel so... King has spoken. <laughs> Don't change your hair. We'll move on to uh, the villain of the the film is uh, Jonathan Majors making his film debut as the he plays Kang the Conqueror, who for some reason they seem like for the first half of the film absolutely terrified of calling him Kang. But they're calling the Conqueror. Yeah, I feel like people would have been more like curious if they'd said Kang rather than Conqueror. Just a lot of dancing around, like what they actually were going to call him and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, because any anyone who's watching this film who doesn't isn't aware of Kang the Conqueror, and it's fine if to not be aware of Kang, any of the Kangs, if they're they're just as like like unlikely to know who he is by referring to him as Kang as they are as Conqueror. Yeah, makes sense. doesn't feel you're like not, they were going to... not fooling anyone. Not particularly. If they don't know anyway. If they know, and you say Conqueror, well, they, they're going... Then they already know it's kind of... Yeah. Because they've, they've probably caught up with every Marvel thing anyway. Exactly. So that was a bit weird. It's very odd. Very odd choice. I quite liked Jonathan Majors. I thought he did a good job. Perhaps he wasn't in it enough for me, but then again, like, getting into, obviously, what it teases going forward is that there's, like, infinite number of different versions of him 
which we like as Marvel fans, you kind of know about because they bring it up in the end of Loki. But for anybody who hadn't seen Loki, I guess that kind of reinforces it here. Um, but so obviously he's going to be. I mean, you only need to look at the ti- titles guy. of the new films and everything that the Kang Dynasty is coming up. Um, so, so he's going to be in it a lot more going forward. But for me, I guess he he felt a little underused in this film. My my issue because I I think I really like him as an actor, and he was great in Loki as He Who Remains. Yeah, like he was really good as that, and I thought he was really good as this. But do you remember when like Phase One came out, and or maybe in the first well before Avengers sort of thing? The yeah. the issue with Marvel used to be like villains weren't great, and then we start the turning point happened. We had like Killmonger, we had Thanos, where we almost got like some some really good villains and to the point where you could kind of see where they're coming from. Yeah. They were sympathetic in a sense. I think we've lost that a little bit at the moment with Kang. Like I'm excited for Kang as a villain and as a big bag, a big bad. But I thought watching this as at, at the time I was like, it doesn't, I'm not as invested in this character as I would have been. And, you know, even Thanos, I wasn't invested in him to be fair until, he actually came properly into it in yeah. Infinity War, but showing him this or a version of him this early, I didn't. He didn't hit the mark quite as I'd like to. I thought he played the character really well, but I just thought he wasn't written particularly well. We haven't really got any motivations for him yet. Hmm. And again, it, it does feel a little bit like maybe we're going to see just a lot of this character, so they, they do want to throughout, yeah, drip feed it a little bit. And it's fine if it's just like. Here's one Kang for this film. Here's another Kang for the next film. But then who's the actual bad guy? Yeah, it does feel a little... Because that was the other thing as well. So kind of like at the end of this film, uh, Kang's like kicked into a exploding machine of some kind, MacGuffin of some kind. He gets even <clears throat> smaller than small. That was one question I had. I'm sorry. Throughout this, I was like, okay, I'm saying like a lot. This is one beer I've had. I um I thought, okay, well, the quantum realm is the smallest of the small. So when it first happened, I was like, so is Ant-Man going to be like, tested because he can't get any smaller in this situation because he's already so small? But it turns out you can get even smaller than small. Yeah. It's just, not, just not an issue. That, not an issue, apparently. So what's but, below but it, the quantum realm? But it was for the Marvel King, clearly. It was for, it was for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've lost the thread of what I was saying now. Um, Sorry. Kang. Yeah, so... Uh, Kang's kicked into the the portal machine or whatever it was, and it sort of explodes. And the, that's maybe the end of Kang. So obviously, so far, Kang the Conqueror, anyway. Well, yeah. So far, we had Jonathan Majors played a version of the same character, and he was called He Who Remains in Loki. And then we get a little stinger at the end where it shows like uh, different versions of him: uh, Rama, Tut, Immortus, and the. Scarlet Centurion, yeah. So we've got those coming. Obviously, those are all different names and stuff, but it feels like the name Kang, like, have they just used that up now? Or Obviously not, because the name of the film that's coming up is the Kang yeah. Dynasty. So I don't know. It felt feel a bit odd that they were going to be like... I, I think they're going to be almost like pseudonyms, whereas the, well, the we've seen Kang the Conqueror, this is... Oh, it's going to be like Kang, Immortus Ram- Kang and Ramatut yeah. Kang. Right, okay. That'll be Maybe. interesting to see where they go with that. Because um, I'm excited for this. I, I've not read loads on Kang, but the things I have sort of read and like looked into, he's, he's interesting. From- and I, I like to see how it ties in with Fantastic Four, maybe. I think he could be almost, he could play a part in that. Well, yeah, because he has been more of a Fantastic Four villain yeah, in though. the past. Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing is like, Kang is one of the more um, wackier sort of main mainstream comic book villains, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, you can get really really out there with some some of them, but like for the ones that are generally going to show up a lot in comics and stuff, he is one of the more out there ones because of like, say, he's got all these different versions and the fact he's from you know a thousand years in the future and all this kind of stuff. So. It's an interesting choice for me, and I'm still kind of intrigued to see where they go with it. I just wanted to see maybe a little bit more of what they were planning in this film. Perhaps yeah. a little bit like we did with 
um, Thanos in the Guardians of the Galaxy, the original one, how he kind of shows up. But he's not the main villain, but he kind of shows up and he pulling the strings in the background and you can sort of see where the, what the plan is for him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that was where I say for me at the end of the day on this film, I thought it was a fine film. It was, you know, not the worst one that I've seen. A lot of people saying it's like, it's the worst Marvel film. And I don't think that's true. It's not, it's not, it's, I've seen it compared with like, um, Eternals. Yeah. It's better than that. It's quite clearly better than that. For me, it's sort of probably slightly ahead of the second Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I'd go with it's that. Still it still probably just doesn't feel as much of an Ant-Man film at the same time. Still probably in that sort of Black Widow, Thor, Love and Thunder, that kind of range for me, I think. It's, it's better than Thor, Love and Thunder. I, I think, having not rewatched, have I watched it once or twice? I'm not sure. But it's been a while since I watched Thor, Love and Thunder. I think after rewatching. Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, that might be better than Thor, Love and Thunder. Interesting. You really are down on love, Thor, down. Love, love and Thunder. And But again, the issue with that is it, I didn't like how it looked particularly. It seems to have been a recurring problem, doesn't it? Yeah. I um, But yeah, I think going into this, I was wanting more setup, if that makes sense, for, for what's coming. Yeah. And I there wanted... wasn't really enough of that for me. I, I'm no. there with you. Um, have you got anything else on the film then? Um, just that go see it because I think you're probably going to need to for what's coming. And if you like Marvel films, then you, you're stuck in your ways like I am, probably. So you've probably already seen it. But I thought it's fine. Like, there's some re- like there are some funny bits in it as well. You go like Ant Man should be or has been played as a comedy for the most part, like a comedy action film. And there are still some funny bits. I don't think it hits the same highs as. Is the first one certainly, but like the pink guy, he was funny. The pink gloopy guy, yeah. The guy who could read minds was pretty funny. He's off the the good place. Yeah, it felt like a bit of a shame that because quite liked him in the good place. Now it's like that's his Marvel bit done, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. he could have been used more. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, hopefully we'll see him again, but I just don't think we will do. Seems uh, unlikely. Did someone from Rick and Morty write this? Uh, or was he involved in the? writing process it's a good question let me check yeah so you are right that jeff loveness the guy who uh wrote this has done work on jimmy kimmel live and rick and morty and he's also going to be writing the uh kang dynasty film apparently oh okay interesting because there's I, i i'm sure i'd heard i'd heard that previously and you can kind of tell with some of the side characters that there's they're sort of like random weirdos, but then by the same token, they also feel a little bit one direct dimensional in some situations. Yeah, that's fair. Like um, like a throwaway Rick and Morty character type thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not. A, there's no Mister Poofy Bottle coming <laughs> back. <laughs> um, but no, that that's you know that's my takings on the film. Like it's fine. Like exactly like you. Like yeah, I won't rush to go and see it again, but it's fine. Okay, um, so pro- pro- probably sorry, probably how I felt about Ant Man films before rewatching them over the last couple of days. So, so you actually realize like... that you like the old ones a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe in a couple of years' time, we'll we'll do a redux and we'll come back to this one. Yeah, possibly. Okay, cool. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with our top five bug films. So uh, this is, uh, anybody who knows me knows or has seen Letterboxd or anything knows that I love making a list. So like I say, in the in this part of the podcast now, uh, to wrap up, we're going to go through sort of a top five or top 10 or like a whatever you want to call it, some kind, some kind of arbitrary number, whichever I'll come up with on that day. But for this one, we decided to look into our top five bug films. So I asked you to come up with a list, Liam. Do you want to want to kick us off with your number five? Yeah, and I don't know if these are necessarily in order. Um, so I actually came up with six. Well, one of the- I was going to say, don't worry, I've got some some uh, honourable mentions as well. Okay, okay. Well, the first one that came instantly to head to my head was a bug's life. 
Yeah. Okay. And I should I should I should say that I've not had time to rewatch these. No, that's fine. Time. Yeah, yeah. Wait, in fact, in fact, okay, in fact, the first one that came to my head actually was Ant Man. So that's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk to you all about Ant Man. <laughs> so at five, then we'll say you've got Bugs Life, which actually was in my number four spot. So oh, okay, okay. Um, a Pixar film from. What was it? The mid nineties must have been nineteen ninety eight. So later than I thought. But that's the one. If I remember rightly, was sort of between Toy Story one and Toy Story two. Yeah, and came was competing with ants at the same time. Yeah, which I think at the time, obviously, I was seven or eight, so didn't know my ass from my elbow, basically. But uh, I thought ants was better. But I feel like history you really is, were dumb. Yeah, yeah, history has not proven that one out. Um, and it's been a long time since I've seen Eve. It's been, been a very, I don't think I've seen Ants since it came out, and I reckon that probably has not held up at all. But um, Bugs Life is definitely the better I, film. I've re-seen a Bugs Life. I rewatched a Bugs Life semi recently, like over the last year or two, with the nephew. And it, I think that's still like quite a charming, quite a good film. It's still like got the, that uh, Pixar, like golden age of Pixar sheen to it as well, isn't it? Yeah, I remember being like. And this is going to be a theme. I remember being a bit scared of Hopper. Okay. Like at the time, he was a bit threatening, a bit of a scary dude. Yeah. But the caterpillar was funny. You know, the ladybird was funny. Yeah. Seven-year-old Liam was lapping that shit up. Like, Bug's Life is, is a good film. I mean, obviously, Hopper was voiced by Kevin Spacey, so... <laughs> I was right to be scared. <laughs> you, you said it, not me. But yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway, so it's kind of interesting that you've, you've mentioned that... Um, you're scared by it because going through this for my list, I was like thinking, I was like a lot of the time bugs are used like as an, even if it's not necessarily going to be an out and out horror film, they're used as an element of horror or an element of peril or something like that. Cause they're spooky. I went and changed my um, ring doorbell at the back because yep. the battery died earlier on. There was a bug there. There was a spider on it and I, I dropped it. Shit myself. And then I like it wouldn't fling. I was shaking it, trying to fling it off. It wouldn't go, so I had to just, I had to touch it, Aaron. I had to flick it. Are you okay? I was honestly, well, obviously not, because I'm still thinking about it now. Um, that was actually going to be an interesting point. I was thinking, do we allow do we allow spiders into the bug list? Well, I hope so, because next I'll, on the list, I'll let. <laughs> go on, I'll, well, I'll give you my number five first. Um, so my number five was the mist. Oh, I thought about this. Sort of, kind of counts because they are big, creepy, bug-like creatures in there. Uh, that's the uh, Frank Darabont film based on the, I think it's a short story or a novella by Stephen King. Um, one I hadn't actually seen until fairly recently, but it, I mean, it's 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 a pretty good film. It goes in a way that you kind of think it is or isn't going to go and then flips quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, but that's... I think it's also a different ending from the book as well. I believe I, I've so. I've not read the book, but I, I think I've read it as different. <laughs> I think so, but I also think that Stephen King actually quite liked the ending. Change. Oh, they yeah, made, yeah. Which, if you know Stephen King, he's not always a big fan of people messing around with his books. See horrible, The Shining. Horrible ending. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to spoil it for for people who haven't seen, particularly on it's a not podcast that, uh, that we that we're not doing a review on that. But um, but yeah, the it's 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 definitely uh, like I say top fifth in my book film. So uh, your number four, uh, at number four. This is this is maybe contentious. Then, as you mentioned, spiders, but was arachnophobia. Interesting. I thought you were going to be like Spider-Man. Um, oh, Spider-Man's on there. That's <laughs> another contentious point. But I don't know which Spider-Man, so... Uh, okay, just all rigid. 12 all, Spider-Man yeah. films, yeah. Um, or however many there's been now. Okay, yeah, arachnophobia. Go on. So so I, when I was a kid, again, I remember there being like... I wasn't really a horror film fan. I was too much of a wimp, basically. Yeah. So my parents wouldn't watch horror films, or wouldn't let me watch them. But I remember there being two films that sort of stuck with me when I was sort of before 10. And one of them was Mars Attacks, which is not really a, it's a black comedy. It's not a horror in any way, but they just freaked me out. And then the other one was Arachnophobia. Yep. And I didn't, wasn't necessarily scared of Arachnophobia, but it was sort of like the the one sort of, even that's not a horror. It's a 
well, a comedy, I think, if I remember rightly. I think I've only seen it once. I think since. it has sort of both elements to it. Yeah, yeah. It's not it, nice. it is quite hor- horrific for, you know, a child or whatever. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that, that sort of, I, I, that film sticks with me. And there's like certain scenes that stick with me. I think, was it John Goodman that was in it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that that's up there for me. One other film that I, I wanted to put on there to sound intelligent, but couldn't because I didn't know what it was called. What's that black and white film with like the giant ants in the background? Uh, them? Is it them? It yeah, is them. I think I think that's the one. Oh, yeah, you tested me now, but I think that's the one. Yeah, I wanted to do that, but I, I thought, well, if you asked me to review it or something, then yeah. what's what, like, your opinion on this? That, yeah. that one scene's really good that I've seen on films. <laughs> <laughs> the um, arachnophobia is an interesting. I didn't see that as a kid. Uh, came to it again sort of later on. So I came to it because Shell, my wife, is, is basically in the same, yeah, as in the same boat as you with it in terms of um, she saw it when she was young and now she's also absolutely terrified of spiders. Um, so she was like, this is why you need to watch it. And you watch it now and you go, it's a bit of a goofy sort of 90s. Yeah. Like, I'm a grown-up now, so it's not as bad. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but obviously, it's quite affecting for when you're young. Um, so, like I say, it sounds like she had a similar experience to you, whereas I was like, it's just, this is the guy from Dumb and Dumber and, you know, <laughs> John Goodman, and I'm, it's fine. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, that's an interesting one. So, my number four was The Bug's Life, which we already covered. So, we'll move on to number three, which is, for you, The Fly interesting okay well i'll tell you what we'll park that okay because we'll come back to that later okay cool uh and i assume you're on about the uh 80s the fly yes, not the 50s I've, see, I've seen the 50s one as well okay didn't scare me as much as the 80s one did no, probably <laughs> tell a, bit, you that. a bit different i imagine the different yeah. creature effects so uh sticking with uh 80s horror at least we can go to my number three which was uh phenomena I'm guessing, have you seen that one? Okay, so that one's, it's uh, Dario Argento, obviously quite famous for his horror films. Um, One, I could probably do an entire episode to Argento later down the line, whether you'll be on that or not. We'll see. Is it Marvel? No. I'll I'll watch them anyway, because I'd quite like to see some more horror stuff, and you're kind of the the go-to horror guy now. Um, But this is a... Basically about a young girl who goes to a boarding school, which is like half of his films anyway. But um, and in this one, she's got like um, a supernatural ability to talk to insects. So uh, there's a really good scene in it with like swirling wind and, and lots of insects coming in and stuff. And it's a very young Jennifer Connelly. So I think it's even before she even did Labyrinth or anything like oh, that. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. That's... Is there any bugs... Sorry, is there any bugs in Labyrinth? Because if so, that's definitely in there. I don't think there's so. There's not, is there no. really? More, more puppets, I think, to be honest, mate. No, um, <laughs> there's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So that was my uh, mine were three. I want to check out, I think, if you're into... It's got that very uh, Italian horror vibe that a lot of the like Giallo films... Are. I wonder if this could be considered to be a Giallo. Probably not. It's probably too uh, too supernatural to be considered one of that genre, but it's it's up there for, for me anyway. So moving on, uh, we'll get your number two. I'm going, I'm going with it, and I think... I'm just going to put Spider-Man as a whole. Okay. Because I'm count- you see a spider in nine out of ten of them, right? Probably. They're just fucking good films. They're just good films, right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm thinking more to the Raimi ones because there's that, again, that element of almost hor- quasi-horror in them, yeah. just in terms of how he directs anyway. But those first two were just like, they sort of set me off as a kid, I think, into... I'd always like watch the cartoons and stuff, but then I was like, "Oh no, these these are these can be films now." Yeah, okay, that's that makes sense. I sort of know what you mean as yeah. well because uh, similar position for me. Always kind of like Spider Man. The, the cartoon was one of the ones that you'd watch as a kid, um, and then like I say the Spider Man. Oh, well, it was not the first of that sort of ones because I mean you had Blade before that, but Blade was a bit different. Then you even had X Men, but then kind of yeah. after those had come out, it was like this guy. It's like a proper big budget film it's a medium after that basically yeah, exactly so uh that's 
Obviously, that makes sense. I'm surprised it wasn't your number one, but that makes sense for... No, well, also, I, I feel bad putting it at number one, but I need to say that when you asked me this, and you asked me this, what, yesterday or the day before, I'd not watched that many... I, I was looking, thinking, like, I don't know any films with bugs in. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely wasn't putting ants in there over Spider-Man, so... So yeah, sorry. So mate. you've got Spider Man One, Spider Man Two, <laughs> yeah, Bugs exactly. Life, Spider Man <laughs> Three, Amazing Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. God help me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's fair. I, I think you know that's pretty good shout as well. Really, I, I'd left it off mine partly because I had a feeling you were going to put it on your list as well, so we weren't going to cross over too much. But there's only so many films you can think of with bugs in it. Um, I'll do my number two then. I was def- also tempted to put something like, I don't know, Contagion or something, something about an illness and be like, it's a bug. Like a sickness bug. Yeah, yeah, I've got the bug. But I was like, oh, no, best not. It would have been interesting, but yeah. This is a serious podcast for serious people. Sure. Don't do that here. Um, so my number two, and this was one that I watched last night. Um, as we talk about it, and it's Starship Troopers. Save it. Okay. So that's interesting. Okay, so um, I guess we've kind of... It doesn't matter. We've, we've, we've kind we of covered, gone with I've run through my, uh, my honourable mentions that I came up with. Uh, so I've got a film called Bug, which yeah. is 2006, uh, William Friedkin, who did The Exorcist. Uh, it's more of a, like a paranoid thriller. I don't even know if there's actually any bugs in it. It's all about the idea that there are bugs there and uh, sort of kind of almost like mental illness associated with that. That's a really interesting film. Uh, Slither. Oh, yeah. From sort of similar times, sort of mid-2000s. That's uh, a, a Slugs Bugs. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's possibly in the same in the same way that spiders are. I guess. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. So maybe they're not bugs, but that's uh, one I thought was worthy of a shout out. It's um, James Gunn directed that one, um, and it's got everything you expect from a James Gunn film. Basically, uh, it's a bit gross, it's a bit disgusting, it's also quite funny in places. Uh, another one, uh, Candyman, early nineties horror film. Again, more adjacent to bugs because there are the the bees that come into it quite a lot but not strictly i guess a bug film but i thought that was worth a mention and then the last that could you go constantine because there's that bug guy in it possibly yeah because the last two that i've got are again not really about bugs but they've more got memorable moments with bugs in so we've got uh indiana jones and the temple of doom oh yeah because obviously the, the room where all the walls are coming in with all the bugs and everything um and then finally, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, that could be a good one, actually. Because obviously there's the, the big fight with the scorpion and the ants and everything. About Ant-Man. I didn't put Ant, because we already discussed Ant-Man <laughs> plenty, to be fair. <laughs> uh, so, okay, let's well, let's cover off your number one then. So my number one is Starship Troopers. Yeah. They could literally call them bugs, so I'm counting it. Yeah, that's fine. Right. If we're getting the mist, we're getting Starship Troopers in there. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, when did that come out? Was that 98 as well? Uh, must have been around then, right? 97, 98, 97, I think it was. So like younger than 10 year old me, there's like sci-fi, there's guns, there's boobs. It was like just the perfect, perfect film for me, Yeah, really. That I definitely shouldn't have been allowed to watch. Possibly. Look, luckily, I had an older brother, so it's fine. I, I mean, I, I watched, that's like the other film I watched last night, and I like it. You like it now because it's kind of how ridiculous it makes those kind of films look, really. Yeah. It's all about subverting that genre. I mean, like you say, you even get, uh, what's his name? Neil Patrick Harris walks in at one point, and he's practically wearing an SS uniform. Yeah, but it, it's everything. I mean, it's... It's not subtle in any way, that film, right? It's, it's I really watched not. It. I think we discussed it when I watched it, as I said, probably a year ago. And it's, it is such a like, It holds up, that film does. Like, the effect, like, the practical effects are really good. Even the special effects aren't that bad, like, looking back now. That was one thing I wanted to mention, actually, because from having watched Ant-Man, Quantumania, and then watching this, and I was like, man, I think the special effects look better in this 20-odd-year-old yeah. film than they do in a film that just cost... More than that, and it's released yesterday, you know. Yeah, great, absolutely fantastic film. If someone's not watched Starship Troopers, go do it. It's quite long, I think, isn't it? It's like two and a bit. Maybe. Yeah, it's uh, 
just between two and two and a half, I think. So yeah, so it's, it's fairly lengthy, but it's it's, it's good. Like I, I I have a big smile on my face the entire time I'm watching that. I think that's the thing as well because it does it. If you know you're not into having the oh you know look at how ridiculous it's making all this look and you know that's not really your bag. You can just sit there still and watch it as a take your brain out action film, and yeah. it, it still works as that. It's a good action film. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that that was your number one. Before we finish talking about Starship Troopers, go on. Do you want to know more? <laughs> Very good. Well done. Thanks, right. Um, so yeah, finally then moving on. Like I said, we mentioned it before. My number one is The Fly. Um, just like a really incredibly gross, sort of disgusting. It's Cronenberg, so I guess that's kind of everything you need to know, really. But um, just a fantastic performance, and like everything else that goes into it. One of my favourites, I think, from that kind of... This might have been higher, but I've not seen it because I've been too scared to watch it since I was a kid. Again, like to watch it again. Right? Yeah. But it's one of those films that has stuck with me and was instantly, um, when he mentioned it, I was like, that's got to go on there. Yeah. Because, again, it's, it's like that first trans- that transformation is horrifying. The scene in the bar where he like, has the arm wrestle and like, snaps the guy's Breaks arm. Breaks the guy's arm, yeah. Ooh can still see it and like hear it and yeah that, that is an affecting film definitely yeah so I, I i don't know how recently you've seen it but i imagine it still sort of holds up as well and just in terms of the yeah it's probably a couple the, of years ago that i watched it last now but yeah it, it does hold up like this obviously the effects are all they're all practical effects so everything feels kind of quite lived in and everything it's, it's very visceral that film as i remember yeah like, definitely like it's like you say it's Cron- cronenberg likes people's bodies doing weird disgusting shit anyway so uh it was all over that and i think it's probably his best and like i say when when we sort of said about our oh, top five bug films the one that immediately came to mind for me so yeah i had to go with one that i like actually could rewatch. i think for my number one well if you ever are interested in both both our number ones are available on disney plus i think in the uk so I'm not interested in watching the flag. <laughs> you sure? Sure, I can't. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I can put myself through it. Like I remember it being amazing, like really good. But oh god, that like there's not many films. There's that and Marley and Me, which I vowed never to watch again because they just upset me, but in different ways. Very different ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a there's a weird crossover going on in my head right now that I'm not going to explore. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's our top five top five lists uh thanks for doing that liam and thanks for coming on anything you want to plug anything you want to thank you for having me um let's do some band stuff so i'm in a band young decades and our most recent song pendulum is out now but we've got a new song coming out in a no march or april so if you're listening back check out juliet because that might be out around when you listen to it Okay, brilliant. Um, and like I say, thanks for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. I hope so. Well, it depends how many films and TV shows Marvel push out for the <laughs> Marvel King to return. Very true. Uh, so that's all for now, and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.